How many of you here today are excited that you are a child of God? Yeah. <laughs> no longer a slave to fear. Children of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. You know, we're not saved. So we'll have a good life. We're not saved. God didn't save us. God didn't go to all the trouble to create us and then provide salvation for us. So we'd have a nice life. So things would go our way. So we'd be happy and healthy and prosper. It's not it. He saved us for his glory. His glory. And then he has called us to ministry. He's called us to ministry. He's called us to be his church. His church on the move. His church in the world he created. His primary tool vehicle, if you will, to carry the gospel into the world, his church. And so we are in the middle of a sermon series called Intentional Church, based on a passage in Acts chapter 2. All right, so we're talking about this becoming God's intentional church. All right, and we've talked about it in terms of intentional evangelism, intentional discipleship. Today, we're going to talk about intentional ministry, okay? All right, before we do that, I want to just remind you where this falls on our vision, our rekindling this vision that God has called us to, to be his church, all right? We, uh, Brother Fred, our pastor, has laid out this vision for us that we... we have called the spear. So here, here basically is the spear. And I just want to remind you of this. We cannot forget this. And I, I, I know some of you have heard this a lot. Some haven't heard it at all. Some haven't heard it enough. We can't say this enough. We can't. We cannot forget our purpose. And it is to Reach the lost for Christ. We cannot forget that. That here is the purpose of, of why church exists. It is to reach the lost with Christ. Reach the lost with Christ. Now we have several things that we've been involved in over the past several months. Um, uh, in talking about how we are going to be that vehicle. How we're going to carry that vision. If the vision is the head of the spear, the things that we do, we do to see the gospel come to a lost world would be what you'd call the shaft of the spear. What carries the head of the of the spear? We've asked God to make us aware of those who are lost in our communities. That we would stop having this idea that Christians are supposed to be insulated from those who aren't Christian. How unbiblical! 
have, that we would become aware of the loss in our community, that we'd have a broken heart for them and want to, to pray for them, that Holy Spirit would reveal to us who he wants us to share our gospel story with, that we don't just go out and blurt it out willy-nilly at people, that is, but that God, would, the Holy Spirit would lead us to whom we are to share the gospel. We, we, it's being intentional. Taking this seriously. And we, we, we talked about what, a gospel, what the gospel is and how, to, and how to share the gospel and how to share your story and to, how, to be intentional with that and to be looking for gospel conversations. We talked about tools to use. I gave you apps that you can put on your phone that, that have the gospel uh, we talked about writing down your own story and to know your story so you'd be ready to share it. And here we and we and we've all, and we, we've talked about partnering with the church in those gospel opportunities. Last night was one of those. I can't say it enough. We do not provide a community event like we did last night just so our community can have fun. It has to be more than that. That has to be a vehicle for us to share the gospel. Has to be tonight. Can't be just an event where we, are, where we gather with our community and watch a movie and have fun. Cannot be that. It can't. It, that can happen, but it has to be. We have to see those events as opportunities to have gospel conversations with people who don't know Christ. How do you see those events? Or do you see that as an opportunity? Tonight, honestly, do you see as an opportunity to invite people, friends, family, in our community, acquaintances, co-workers, people you go to school with? Do you see, hey, here's an opportunity I can bring them to church. Maybe they would never come otherwise, but they might come and eat popcorn and watch Aladdin. And that provides an opportunity for me then maybe to share my gospel story with them. Do you see that that way? Are you intentional that's what this is about. See, the key to this vision is there's one last thing that ha- on the, that what binds the head of the, cro- the head of the cro- the head of the spear to the shaft of the spear. That binding is moving from theory to action. We can't just talk about it. We gotta do it because we've been called to do it. See, there's this intentionality in this. This intentionality of being that church, being an intentional church. Look, there is a, there is a process to this. We, when we, there's a process. First, there is the intentionality of evangelism. The first step in becoming a disciple of, of Christ, becoming a follower of Christ, is coming to know him. Coming to that point where you say, okay, I need Jesus. I want Jesus to sit on the driver's seat of my life. I like to call it Carrie Underwood moment. When you say, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hand. We'll just let Carrie sing that. 
But we have that Jesus come take the will moment. All right. That's the first, the first step. This is where we've stumbled as a church. That's where we tend to stop. We put all our eggs in that basket of evangelism. We put a lot of effort into, into that sort of thing. We want to make converts, not disciples. And it's the first step in that. So that's the reason why that last week, the, the step after intentional evangelism is intentional discipleship. We have to become those who have decided, I want more than just to be a convert or a church member. I want to be a disciple of, the, of, of Jesus, the son of the living God. So I will abide in Christ. I will live in his word. I will pray in faith. I will have my relationship with God where it needs to be. So now my relationship with the world can be what it needs to be. I will abide with him. I will find my essence for living in him. I will, I will understand that every breath I take comes from him, that apart from him, I can do nothing because I'm just the branch and he's the vine and all the nutrients come from him. And I have to be plugged into that vine. Or I can't bear for any fruit in this world. And, understand, and when that happens in our prayer changes, our, our desires become his desires. Our wants become his wants. And that's when we can live in raw, proper fellowship with other believers. Holding one another accountable to that standard. That we're living like for Christ and like Christ. And we're loving like him. He said, this is a new commandment I give you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so shall you love one another. This is how they will know that you're my disciple if you have love for one another. And when we love each other that way and live in that sort of fellowship, holding one another accountable to that, then it becomes a beautiful aroma to a lost world. And they want to know. They want to know what we know as followers of Christ. And then we can go in the world and bear love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. There's the process. Evangelism leads to, intentional evangelism leads to intentional discipleship, which leads to then intentional service. And that's where we are today, intentional service. Look, we're going to look at a lot of scripture today, kind of like we did last week. But we're, and we're going to start off here with Matthew chapter 16. Verse 18. Uh, well, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Get ready to turn a lot. Um, our focal scripture for this sermon series is in Acts chapter 2. You can turn there. We're going to be at verse 44 in just a little bit. But as you're turning there, let me, let me just pray. Holy Spirit. Jesus, precious Savior. God Almighty, Father, Creator, here we are. Move us to you. Draw us to you. Open our minds for your truth and your truth only. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It says this. This is <clears throat> Jesus speaking to, to Simon, who he just was 
changed his name to Peter right here. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter. Because Peter, uh, Jesus had asked his disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? And some say, so, and the disciples say, well, some say you're this prophet. Some say you're this prophet. Some. And Peter, who is Simon at this point, says, well, I say you're the Christ, the Son of God, Son of the living God. Oh, and Jesus said, okay. Well, I tell you, you are rocky. You're a rock. Peter means rock. I'm going, you're the rock. That, and upon that confession, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Does that sound like some wimpy, powerless institution, some club that we have membership to that insulates us from the rest of the world? Is that what that's? No, this sounds like a vehicle that God is going to give amazing power to to reach a lost world, right? So it sounds like to me that would have been a great place to say amen. All right, but look at, look at Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Paul goes on the right as he's writing to this church in Rome. He says, look, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than now, uh, to us now than when we first believed. Wake from sleep, church. Wake from sleep. Napoleon once pointed to a map of China and said, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will be unstoppable. I wonder, this is Brother Fred's heart. I wonder if Jesus looks at us and wonders if we are actively, purposefully, intentionally seeking the lost. Or are we sleeping in the comfort and security? We are all going to heaven, even if the world around us is going to hell. Dr. Charles Stanley once said, on any given Sunday morning during the hour of worship, you can find the church sleeping. From the pulpit to the pews, we sleep in contentment of who we are and what we're doing and actually content and what we're not doing. As the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are we a sleeping giant asleep asleep at the wheel we've maybe had a moment when we came to Christ and had that Jesus take the wheel moment but then we've taken it back and not only are we not doing anything we're asleep at the wheel content with what we're doing and what we're not doing while the world around us goes to hell have you ever heard, if you've gone to church, maybe you've heard of the 10-90 syndrome, that 10% of the people in church do 90% of the work? Well, Gallup actually did a study about that. And it's a little different than that. It's, they're actually, there's 10% of the 
church that is working and 50% of the church that's not. So if you do some quick math, that's 10 plus 50, I think it's approximately 60. So there's 40% that's not included in, in either of that. And this category is 40% of the church wants to be involved, just hasn't been asked. Now, that's good news and bad news. It's good news that that 40% is ready to do something. But they're like, well, I'm not doing anything. Nobody's asked me. We can get that, 50, that 40% involved. That's 50%. I like 50-50 a lot more than 10-90, don't you? We are a sleeping giant. So here's our... Each week, we've been defining terms, what intentional evangelism is, what intentional discipleship is. Here's your term for this week, intentional ministry. It's in your worship guide. Ministry is the partnership of God's people with God's spirit to accomplish God's purpose in the lives of others. What a beautiful, beautiful pursuit. Amen? Amen. So ministry should be so much more than accidental. It should be intentional. Intentional. It's okay if it happens by accident sometimes. All right? But that shouldn't be our strategy. Just go be out, go, go be Jesus somewhere, and maybe somebody will hear it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We have to be intentional. Intentional, okay? And that's what today is about. Look now at our focal passage, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 44 and 45. Ready? This is about the first church. The first church in the book of Acts. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. In verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Here we see an intentional ministry that God has a two-part, it's your first blank, has a two-part plan for intentional ministry. God has a two-part plan for intentional ministry. And you guessed it. Now we're going to talk about what those two parts are. Ready? Part number one. Intentional ministry is, first of all, giving up. Giving up. Don't, I, don't hear this as, okay, I got, all right, I surrender. Here's my white flag. <clears throat> no, this is, think of this as directional. Our first opportunity is to give up. Not give up, but to give up. Do you hear me? Not give up, but to give up. To give upward. Verse 44 and 45a say this, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings. Ooh, wait a minute, preacher. Let's just talk about it. First of all, there is the allness of this. 
the allness of what's being seen. All were together and had all things in common. Guess what? I have a title by my name, Reverend, Minister of Spiritual Development. Matthew Goodman has a title by his name. What a handsome young man. Minister to students. Ben Haywood has a title by his name. Oh, what another handsome young man. Minister of Contemporary Worship. We have those titles by our names. We, and all those people on our staff, who in the, on the ministry staff, have that. We, we may be professionals, but that doesn't mean that we're the only ones. We are all ministers of the gospel. All of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, we're all ministers of the gospel. We have all things in common. There is this great allness. Listen to this progression, this process in this allness. And if you have a pen, you might want to write this down. First of all, we are created for ministry. Ephesians, you find this in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. We are created for ministry, Ephesians 2.10. We were created. God created us with the purpose to do ministry. Do you hear that? You want to know, what's, what's the meaning of life? What was the purpose of life? You were created upon the moment you come to know Jesus as your personal Savior. You're created to do ministry, to lead others to Jesus. You're created for that. Next, you are saved and then called to ministry. All right? You're not, that, look, that's uh, 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9. You're called to a saved and then called to ministry. You're not just saved so you can the rest of your life go, whoo, that was close. Whoo, I'll just come to church with all the other people that was close for. It's not it. You're called. You're saved for a purpose to do ministry, not to come to church and gather in a holy huddle and do nothing. This is, some old, this is an old school saying, but it's so true. The church is too busy sitting on the premises to be standing on the promises. We want to come and sit and soak, but you're, that's wrong. We're called to a, the purpose, we're saved and then called to do ministry. See the process? Created, then saved and called, then gifted for ministry. You're gifted for ministry. God doesn't just say, okay, go get them. Pat you on the behind. Go get them, honey. He doesn't do that. He gifts you for ministry. First Peter Chapter 4, verse 10. Do you know when you came to know Christ, when you had that moment and you said, Jesus, take the will, and Holy Spirit came to live in you, you were gifted with a spiritual gift that comes straight from the throne of God. Not just so you can do really cute magic tricks at parties, but so you can do the will of God and do ministry in the world and lead people to Jesus. You're created, then saved and called, then you're given gifts for this ministry. Not, also, not only that, but also you're given authority for ministry. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, the Great Commission, he says, go 
I've created you, saved you, called you, gifted you. Now go, boy. Go, girl. Go into this world with the gospel. What are you waiting on? Go. You have all authority. It says all authority has been given to you. Now go. What do you wait? What else do you need? If that's not enough, then you're rewarded for ministry. Look, Colossians chapter, I'm sorry, prepared. You're also prepared for ministry. That is Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12. This is the discipleship process. As we live together, as we abide in God, Christ and live together in proper fellowship, we're prepared now to go and do ministry. Then we're rewarded for ministry in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. There's a reward for this. Isn't being a child of God and living forever with Him in right relationship, isn't that reward enough? But it, He gives us more. It's sacred delight. Just when you think it can't get better, it does. That is the way of living with Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we are held accountable for ministry. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10, look, we should be inviting this in our lives. Accountability. We should be inviting conversation with one another. How are you serving? Where are you serving? Are you using your gift? Man, that's what our Bible study was on today. Our Bible study teacher just flat. He laid, here, 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 here's one instance in Scripture where the gifts of the Spirit are. What are you doing with it? Do you even know what they are? Hey, I got good news. After the first of the year, be on the lookout for opportunities to learn spirit, your spiritual gifts. Be on, be on the lookout for opportunities to learn about apologetics. And some of you maybe even learn what, what the word apologetic means. Be on the lookout for opportunities to grow for opportunities to be prepared for ministry. This again is straight from Brother Fred's heart. These early church members willingly gave up their possessions so that others might have. Giving up is the truest act of ministry. Where did it come from, this giving up? Christ the Lord who willingly gave up his life that they you and I might have life. Their lives exemplified the life of the Lord Jesus. It is only in the giving up that we will find our greatest accomplishments as ministers unto the Lord and his body. Giving up. Ministry begins with giving up. It begins with me. Lord, here I am. In all of my brokenness and inadequacy and imperfection, I'm yours. You give your life to him, and Jesus gives his life to you. It's a great exchange. It begins there. 
when you get that right, then you'll see your stuff differently. Every penny. Every penny. Every thread of every piece of clothing. Every shoelace. Every stitch. Everything. Everything. Comes from Him. It's all His. I don't give Him a little bit to appease Him. It's all His. Every breath I take Every blink of my eyes, everything, my, the way I laugh, the way I walk, my personality, my corny jokes, it's all his. Every bit of it to use as he will. It will revolutionize what you have. And how you see what you have. Every bit of it. What has turned in my life is. Specifically one place is the tithe. God. I think it's pretty clear that I should tithe. I should give to you a percentage of what I make. Up until not too long ago, I thought, okay, and then, uh, then the rest that's left over, you know, some people, you know, we, we draw a line at 10% to the Lord, 90% is not, you know, ours to do with what we will. No, no, God revolutionized that. This is where I got with that. God makes it clear where 10% goes. He said, bring that into the storehouse. Now, what I do with the 90%, I ask him, what would you have me do with that now? Where do you want me to spend that? How do you want me to spend that? It's not mine. It's still yours. Where do you want me to spend it? Here, there. How do you see your house, the place where you live? God's revolutionized us, that in my life with my, my precious wife. We want our house to be a place of ministry. It's not our house. It's God's house. It's all His. And He lets us live there. And so we ought to be opening it up to help folks and love folks. My wife is a great cook. And it would be selfish if we didn't share that. It just would. How do you see? Are, are you? Mm. How do you see what you have? Look at Romans chapter twelve, verse one through three. Romans twelve, chapter three, verse one. Uh, tw chapter twelve, verse one through three says, "I appeal to you, brothers, now by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice." Do you see that? A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some translations say reasonable worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't, don't get your cues from culture. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, I, hold on before we go to verse 3. Do you remember Celia Shone, the young lady who came and gave her testimonies going to do missions in the Middle East, medical missions? I read it, was reading her blog this week. She said God had done something in her life over the will of God. She said, I stopped praying that God would show me his will. And God, I stopped praying God would show me his will. Because there might, in that, there's this possibility that I want the will of God, but I don't want God. I was like, how'd you get so smart? She said, I just pray for God. God, give me more of you. Just more of you. Just more of you today, God, and your will will become clear. That's what this is. Don't be, be, be transformed by the renewing your mind. Just give me more of you, God. More of your word in here. More of just who you are and your love. Just more of that in here and pressing out the world. Just get rid of that. And the more you I have, the more your will becomes. Then you'll be able to discern what God's will is. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Let me ask you this. Well, giving up begins with you, begins with me. So how are you giving up? yourself to God how are you giving up your stuff to God how, how are you so the first part of intentional service is giving up the second part is giving out giving out we're not talking about handouts we're talking about giving out y'all this isn't socialism it's not social Socialism is somebody taking your stuff and they give it where they think they are, which is generally to themselves. Amen. This is about giving it to God and then God showing us where to give it. Right. So, I mean, this is a willing giving up and giving out. All right, so enough of all that. Intentional ministry is giving out. Verse 45b says this. In Acts chapter 2, and all that, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The early church came to the point in their lives of giving up that they were able to freely then give out to those in need. What an exciting approach to ministry. If this sleeping giant would wake up, the church, not just, I'm not talking about just First Baptist, I'm talking about the church, universal, would all catch this. We, wow, what a difference. If it were possible to interview one of those early Christians and ask them, why did you do that? Perhaps their response would be, it was the reasonable 
thing to do in our love for our Savior. The, you know, back to the Romans first. It's a reasonable act of worship, the spiritual act of worship. The allness of this new life in Christ took the focus off themselves and placed it on others in their time of need. I'm not, we're not talking about handouts. We're talking about a hand up. We're not talking about just handing things away to people with no accountability. We're talking about handing it up. Come into this fellowship with us. Join us in this, felt, this accountability of the fellowship of the believers. Where we speak into one another's lives. Where you don't just give. If we're just giving things away to make people feel better. We're just making it easy. We're just making Blairsville a really nice place to go to hell from. We have to share the gospel. We have to. Let me tell you. If you give someone something to eat because they're hungry and you don't share the gospel, that's more about you than them as a follower of Christ. Everything we do must have the intentionality of leading people to Christ. Look, when hungry people are hungry, they're hungry and they need food. They need food because it's hard to hear the gospel when you're hungry. It's hard to hear the gospel over a ground stomach. If they're thirsty, they need water. If they're cold, they need to be clothed. If they're sick, they need medicine. But all of that is temporary. What they need more than anything is the gospel. And sometimes... We give them food to get permission to share the gospel. We give them water to get permission. We give them clothes to get per- Madison, do you see? There has to be an intentionality to it. There has to be an intentionality to it. So, the target of ministry is others. The instrument of ministry is the gospel. To do otherwise just makes the church... Nothing more than another welfare program. The purpose of ministry is to the lost is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of ministry is the Holy Spirit. The reward of ministry is changed lives. The place of ministry is everywhere. The time of ministry is always. And the person of ministry is you. And me, we get to partner with God to share the gospel, his good news with others. What a privilege. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. Hurry, got to listen fast. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members, one of another, 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. We all have different gifts. We all have different roles, different purposes in, this, in the body of Christ. Let us then use them. If prophecy, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, as each received has received a gift, you all, all of us have received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then finally, Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need. This is Paul, listen. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. I, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And here's one you probably know. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This ministry we can do. So how are you then giving out? You. How are you giving you out? How are you giving your stuff out? How are, so today, the two-pronged purpose is how are you giving up? Of ministries given up, given out. How are you today? Given up. How are you today? Given out. If you're here today and you're seeking Christ, let me just tell you that's where it begins. It begins with Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I'm inviting you today to join us in that pursuit of Jesus. What do you do? You admit that you are not perfect. And anything that's not perfect can't be in the presence of God unless He does something. And He did. Through his son Jesus. So you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did. And then you trust him. You trust God with your life for the rest of your days. That's the process of becoming a follower of Christ. I'm inviting you to that today. Will you come to know him? If that's what you want, I'm going to pray this prayer with me right now. You don't have to pray it out loud. <laughs> Just pray it silently with me now. Let's all bow our heads. Father, I know that I am a sinner and done bad things in my life. That I'm not perfect. I know that separates me from you. I've learned that. I'm sorry. I believe that your son Jesus provides the salvation that I need. 
will you save me now? I trust you. Here is my life. It's yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, I'd invite you to come see me at, during this invitation time or at the end of church. And I have a, uh, uh, I'll have a conversation with you and we'll talk about what comes next. Praise God for entering into this life with Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit has, talked, has spoken to you about how you're giving up and how you're giving out. And you'd like prayer or you'd like to pray about that. Just come to the altar.